Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Great show for you today. We've got the Ringers, Danny Kelly, joining me later on to, again, you know, what else? <laughs> Break down the NFL draft. It's that time of the year. There's really nothing else to talk about. But, uh, you know, Danny and I met a while back at the Senior Bowl a few years ago. Um, and I think he does great work over there at the Ringer uh, as the one of the many hosts of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, the Ringer NFL Draft Show. He writes their mock drafts, their big boards. So Danny knows a lot about this year's class. And it's a great, great conversation. I think it's a really good um way to kind of flesh out my previous conversation with Trevor Sikma last week. If you kind of listen to both of these, uh, I'm not going to say listen to both of them back to back. That's insane. You don't need that much me in your life. And I think it's a really good just kind of way to really, really well round out this draft from a Falcon standpoint. I think that, yeah, I tried to ask them different questions, but their knowledge level is probably as, as good as you can get for this year's draft. So I really hope you enjoy that. Uh, before we get into the draft conversation with Danny Kelly, let's hear a quick word from today's sponsor. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Keep track of all of the latest sports developments, including NBA playoff odds, fighting bets, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, guys, Major League Baseball is back as well. Go Braves. So who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, guys, BetOnline where the game starts. All right, we're going to get to Danny Kelly real quick um, in a second, but kind of like last week, just a, a shorter open. And I want to talk to, or I want to talk about something that I don't think a lot of people really pay a lot of attention to. And I understand why during this time of year, and that is undrafted free agents. Yeah, super, uh, super sexy topic today. Everybody buckle in. Um, <laughs> undrafted free agents. One of the kind of eye-opening experiences for me when I was working for the Atlanta Falcons or just being kind of inside of an NFL building during the draft specifically. That's kind of the, I think, the time where it most felt like I worked in the NFL was the draft, particularly the first round. Uh, everybody shows up and is dressed in their nicest suits. I mean, it feels like game day, almost, the first round of the NFL draft. Arthur Blank is, is usually there. And everybody is just really excited, but anxious. And there, there's kind of a nervous energy. Are we going to get our guy? Are we not? How is the future of the franchise going to be shaped tonight? Um, so all of that is in play kind of over draft weekend, especially on night one. But as you get towards late Saturday, uh, day three, you're, you're kind of the sixth round's coming to an end. It's the seventh round. All right, how much longer are we going to be here? Who are we getting? You don't really know the names of, of any of these players, except, you know, you, you've been doing a lot of draft prep for 
weeks, months. Uh, back then, at least, I, I was doing all that. I, I still do, but I'm not getting into fifth rounders, sixth rounders. And yeah, you're, you're just kind of waiting for the, for the event to be over. But for coaches, especially, and, and media members, frankly, because this is, it's kind of when you'll start seeing a lot of reporters outside of your Schefters and, and your Ian Rappaport's, your local reporters will start um, reporting a lot of the undrafted free agents. It's because they're, they're talking with their agents. They may be talking with the players themselves. But, and I listened to Sean Payton. I know, I'm sorry. I apologize, everybody. Sean Payton actually had a really good interview um, with Chris Long, former Eagle, former Patriot, and former Ram, uh, on his podcast, the uh, the Greenlight podcast with Chris Long. But Sean Payton really broke down, I think, the undrafted free agent process. And the way he described it was about for two hours after the draft ends, you have anybody from the general manager to a team president to every coach on the on the staff all of the scouts, everybody on the phone, cold calling, trying to land their prospect. It becomes essentially recruiting because if you're an undrafted player, you have the ability to pick your destination, which is actually much more beneficial for a lot of these players. If you're kind of a fringe sixth, seventh round prospect, actually, it's probably better off for you to go undrafted. And I know that doesn't make sense because you know, we all consider being drafted uh, such a big honor and it is, but you have the ability to kind of pick or have a say in your own destiny, which is something that if you're selected at the very end of the sixth round and you're drafted, you know, by the Houston Texans, maybe you don't want to go to Houston. You know, maybe from you're from the Northwest and that is is home to you and you would love to stay there and you'd love to play, you know, even maybe for San Francisco or Las Vegas. If you're not going to be in the Northwest, maybe you'd like to at least still be closer to home. Nope. You get drafted by Jacksonville or whoever you you have no say in that they own your contract. They own the rights to you as a player for, you know, three years. If you're an undrafted player, you get all of these calls from the from the teams who still were doing their due diligence on you throughout the re- the draft process. They were doing their research. But now the decision is in your hands and you get to talk with your agent. Sure, you're probably not going to make as much money, but there is a better chance for you to go to a situation that is more beneficial for you as a player. You get to look at the depth charts. You get to see kind of the lay of the land and then choose where you would like to go, what kind of impact you feel you could have for that team. And maybe it's set up for you to succeed. I think the Falcons are going to be one of the most desired undrafted free agency landing destinations in this year's class. Now, we heard a little bit last year about the undrafted free agent pool was among the best (laughs) that I think scouts had seen in recent years. And for that reason, a lot of teams and the Falcons were, were among them. I think the Falcons may have had the biggest undrafted free agency class out of any team in the NFL last year. And that was a good year to do it because they had a really, really good group of undrafted free agents. But I think the Falcons are going to be in a very similar boat this year. I would expect them to really load up on some wide receivers. I think you're going to see them, you know, probably go hard at the skill positions in the undrafted free agency group. You may see a couple of linemen, you know, here or there, but it looks like they're adding a lot of that depth via free agency with some proven guys, which makes a lot of sense. So I think they're going to hammer wide receiver, especially with undrafted free agents. And you're going to see a lot of other. I think secondary members, secondary players, running backs, that type of deal. And I remember asking Dan Quinn um, 
you know, maybe three or four years ago at this point, why it, it usually ends up being kind of DBs and wide receivers who get chosen as undrafted free agents. A lot of tight ends as well. You'll notice that. Really, it kind of comes down to their ability to make impacts elsewhere, special teams especially. But if you're going to do a practice squad kind of scout team deal, these guys, your, your wide receivers, your DBs, your tight ends, they're just better athletes. They're able to kind of mimic, I think, what other teams are going to do well. If you're playing a, a Baltimore and you've got Lamar Jackson, who better to kind of simulate that running threat than maybe a, a scout team wide receiver? you know, who runs a similar 40 times. So teams kind of always have these ideas or um, thoughts in the back of their mind as they're making these decisions. All right, well, what can they do to help us? And the more that you can do, which is a very common phrase inside of NFL buildings, the more you do, the more you can do, the more likely it is that a team is going to covet you and, and want to sign you as an undrafted free agent. But from a player standpoint, you're going to want to go to a position where you don't have a lot of competition maybe in front of you or the opportunity is there for you to establish yourself and then maybe rise quickly and, and open the eyes of some players and, and that the opportunity could be given to you sooner rather than later. And that's where I think the Falcons are relative to a lot of the other rosters in the NFL. If I'm a wide receiver and I'm looking at what situation do I want to go to, without a doubt, it's Atlanta. And sure, maybe that would have been more coveting if if Matt Ryan was still here. But I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to be a a determining factor on the negative side. I think that a lot of teams are still going to look and see, all right, they don't really have an established wide receiver. They have Kyle Pitts, So there is one weapon here. They have Cordero Patterson. That's that's two weapons, but they don't have a wide receiver really. And unless they draft one kind of in the first round, uh, but even then, if, if I'm an undrafted free agent, that doesn't scare me. Same age, same opportunity. Come in here, show what I got. So I really think the Falcons are going to just load up on wide receivers. I think they're going to load up on, on tight ends, maybe running backs, although that we'll see. I undrafted running backs really outside of your Austin Ecklers, like kind of don't do too, too much. Um, but I, I think that we're going to see them really kind of hit the non trench area hard in undrafted free agents and Atlanta should get kind of their pick. So once the draft wraps up, and I'm going to try to get into this a little bit myself. I'm going to you know, see if I can maybe get one guy, one guy that I can say, hey, sources tell me so-and-so is signing with the Falcons. That's going to be my challenge this year during the draft. Um, but I think Atlanta is going to have a lot of them. I think right when the draft ends, get on Twitter. You're going to be seeing the, uh, the news come hot and heavy because I think Atlanta, they don't have any seventh round picks. Probably going to be getting on the phones early. I think they're going to be getting in the ear of some of these players. Now, I don't know if this is legal or not, so I'm not reporting that this is going to happen or anything. But it wouldn't shock me if, you know, they use some of that time on day three where they don't have picks to try to persuade some of these these guys that they do have their eye on. Hopefully none of them get taken in that seventh round and then they start maneuvering, positioning themselves to get kind of their pick of the litter with the undrafted free agents, whether that be, you know, Certain incentives for when they get in the building, they, they've got certain guarantees in place, contracts, stipulations, things like that. But we all at this time of the year are focused on the draft and free agency is kind of the only way for teams to better themselves. Undrafted free agents usually don't pan out, but if the Falcons can just hit on one, sometimes that's what it takes to really jumpstart a rebuild is, is you've just got somebody you weren't really counting on or expecting 
on contributing in a major way. And if they can pan out and really kind of turn into something that is a valuable starter on your roster, that's huge. And I think the Falcons are going to have a great opportunity this year to get some really, really good priority undrafted free agents in the building. It's up to them to develop them. It's up to them to make, uh, you know, make these players what hopefully they will become. But all things considered, I think the Falcons are going to be at a great starting point with the undrafted free agent class, given kind of the overall weaknesses and holes in this roster. So that's a small thing that people aren't talking about, but it could have a big impact. Certainly come training camp, certainly come the fall. We'll see if it pans out that way, but it's something people aren't really talking about. And I just thought it deserved mention because, I mean, for God's sakes, we've talked about uh, everything else draft related these past few months. Might as well touch on that. Um, but let's get now, uh, into my conversation with Danny Kelly. It was awesome. I really think you guys are going to like it. So here we go. You can read his mock drafts and check out his draft big board over at the ringer.com. You can hear him on the ringer NFL draft show and during the season on the ringer fantasy football show. And you can check him out on Twitter at Danny B Kelly. It is Danny Kelly. Danny, what's up, man? Thank you so much for hopping on with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. So we're going to you know, dive into the draft as, as you've yeah. been uh, covering really, really in depth in all <laughs> facets, all mediums um, over at The Ringer. So you know, who better to kind of get some, some expert opinion on? And y- you just had your fourth mock draft uh, come out this mm-hmm. week. I was really surprised, actually, to see um, who you had going to the Falcons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think it makes sense. And in listening to uh, your most recent, actually, podcast, um, it seems like it's a little bit of a rising player on your board. And that yeah. would be Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams. Uh, of course, like there's an injury involved with him. But explain a little bit about why you decided to make Jamison Williams the pick for Atlanta at number eight. So, first of all... I think it goes back to and this is something that had been kind of been rumored since the combine. You start hearing at the combine, um, you hear about Jamison Williams. He's going, he's, his ACL recovery is going pretty well, according to everything we've heard. Um, the ACL injury in general is just not as scary to some teams as it used to be because I think we've seen so many guys come back strong from ACLs That's and good like point. the, you know, just sort of like the the prognosis and the timeline is is much more, um, I think, just well known and established than it used to be. So that's, I think, a big part of it, too. And, and so Jamison Williams, to me, this is a sort of a dark horse to be the first receiver taken. And, and over the last week, we've seen a lot of reports start to emerge from, about that. Um, I saw uh, Mort from ESPN even said it today that, like, there's a lot of uh, rumors happening that he's going to be the first receiver taken. Dane Brugler said several teams have him as wide receiver one on their boards. Um, and honestly, it makes a lot of sense because, look, this this receiver class is... I've been saying it this whole draft class. It's basically a vibes class. Like, it, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. Every guy is different, right? So, like, Drake London, who is some people's wide receiver one, um, big, tall guy, jump ball specialist, really good, like, um, route runner. He, he reminds me of, like, a, a smaller version of my, uh, Mike Evans a little bit. Just, um, you know, not the shiftiest guy ever, but, like, he just bodies people at the catch point. He's just really good. Wins, mm-hmm. like, he separates late, all that stuff. So, like, he has a ability and, and the talent to be a number one receiver, but maybe some teams will look at a guy like Jamison Williams, who has a, like elite speed, like really 
rare speed to go down the field. And, and look, we've seen teams fall through this every year. I don't, I'm not saying that they're going to fall for James Williams and, and he's not going to be good, but like teams love speed. Teams are looking oh, for yeah. speed. <laughs> um, and honestly, the way that he can stretch a defense, the way that he can um, just burn past a corner, even a good corner um, and get deep is like such a game changer for an offense. And that's like what OCs are looking for is like the ability to like change the way defenses have to guard you, have to defend you, have to prepare for you. Um, that's why a guy like Tyreek Hill is so important. And it was so shocking, frankly, to see uh, the Chiefs trade him because he's just that force multiplier type guy where, you know, if you have him line up anywhere, you just got that safety on that side. It's going to have to like tilt a little bit to his way. Like you're going to have to maybe play too high because you're afraid he's going to beat you over the top, things like that. So in addition to being extremely productive, a good route runner, um, you know, very competitive guy. Like he's, he's on special teams. He's like punt gunning. He's like just a football <laughs> player. Like there's yeah. a lot of stuff to love about Jamison Williams. Um, the main thing is just the injury and is like a team willing to look past that. I gave him to the Falcons because like, you know, frankly, it doesn't look like the Falcons are going to be competitive in 2022. And so they have a little bit longer runway to like, kind of like build what they're building. And like Jamison Williams, Kyle Pitts would be so fun. Like I just kind of <laughs> just want to see that happen, honestly. So like maybe that's part of it. Um, but like, yeah, I think that's kind of the main deal is like the Falcons. Um, I don't think they're in like a rut, like they're not in as big of a rush as maybe some of these other teams to like immediately have that guy come in. Cause he's not going to be able to play probably till like halfway through the year. Yeah. It's not a, we need this guy to fill this specific need. And if right. we, we feel like if he could fit this role that that puts us over the top, that's yeah, obviously not where the Falcons are. <laughs> Probably not, yeah. <laughs> Do you, I mean, does it worry you at all that the Kansas City Chiefs, after a year of seeing probably the most covered two in the NFL, and given that that's kind of seems like it's the way yeah. the NFL is going to take away, that, that the Chiefs were okay with parting with maybe the NFL's most dangerous explosive weapon, that maybe they were like, <laughs> right. if, if defenses can take Tyreek Hill away, then maybe he's not as valuable. Uh, does that worry you at all about a player like Jamison Williams' future? Um. I think it's I don't it doesn't worry me it, it it is I think a very interesting point because I think the 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 cover 2 stuff is very like prevalent right now teams are being forced to dump it off underneath um but a guy like Tyreek a guy like Jameson Williams they have the, they have similar ability to take like a little slant and just run right. we saw this yeah. in the playoffs like Tyreek Hill just took a slant and scored a touchdown like I don't My remember favorite how many play. yards it was yeah I don't <laughs> remember how many yards it was it was like 70 yards or something ridiculous but um I think Teams are always going to want guys like that, the game-changing type guys, the guys that can tilt the field in their direction, um, regardless of the schematic trends in the NFL at any given time. I think the, I think the Tyreek Hill thing was probably more related. Um, I don't think it was because they were like, oh, we can win without him. I think it was just more like, we have to be pragmatic. We have Mahomes yeah. on a 10-year deal. Um, there's really good receivers coming into the NFL every year, like five or six guys in the first round every <laughs> right. year now. And that's yep. never going to end because that there's just so many guys coming up through the ranks of, of football all the way from like peewee football or whatever. Um, you know that I think that they kind of just look at this, like we have to build a team around our quarterback paying a receiver $30 million a year when he's, you know, getting a little older. Um, you know, obviously I'm not taking anything away from Tyree because I think he's a really good player and like a game. Yeah, he, he listens like, to this they... podcast. So, you know, don't, don't bad mouth Tyree. <laughs> he'll, he'll come after you. Sorry, Tyree. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I think generally speaking, though, they they just were looking at it as like we need to be pragmatic about the long term future. Our roster, their roster, honestly, was getting kind of bare. Like they just need more depth everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think that they saw that. And by the way, it sounded like Tyreek didn't really want to stay anyway. 
So <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. it, it, it reminds me a little bit like the Seahawks situation with Russell Wilson. It was like, Tyreek wanted to go. Russell Wilson wanted to go. The teams were like, okay, well, we can get a lot for these guys. Maybe we just do this while they have a lot of value. Um, so I don't know. That That is a very good question, though. And I think it's um, something that will be interesting to watch over the next few years if teams kind of figure out ways to combat it. Because I'm sure they will. You know, like mm-hmm. offensive coaches get paid, too. Um, and so <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun to watch kind of like how they combat that and, and kind of attack it this year. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you could also say if – if this is a little bit of a vibes draft, like you said, or a pick your poison type of certainly receiver draft, because all of the guys seem kind of near each other talent wise. It's just yeah. their talents are in different areas. Yeah. You could see why teams would maybe defer to the Alabama receiver <laughs> because mm-hmm. recently we've seen Alabama receivers and certainly with Falcons kind of have a little bit more success than say True. in Ohio state. Uh, but I'm curious because I, I saw the, the next three picks in your mock draft after Atlanta Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, Kyle Hamilton have mm-hmm. been three kind of popular mock draft picks to Atlanta uh, yeah. in in kind of recent weeks. Your thoughts on going receiver over maybe a, a help at edge with Jermaine Johnson or a lot of play a player who a lot of people feel like is par- perhaps the best in this draft in Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, so the the Hamilton thing I think is is one of the most interesting questions for Atlanta because obviously last year they kind of bucked trends and and sort of convention by taking a tight end at number four um yeah and i think the only reason the main reason i'm not super um like I, i'm not like thinking it's going to happen that kyle hamilton will go is because i think that maybe they'll just like be like we don't want to take another uh generally a, a, you know safeties are not top 10 players generally speaking or for the most right. part um, I don't, I, and the Falcons I think maybe, are weirdly set at say like that's the yeah. one position on this roster that they actually kind of have some, some depth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so, I mean, that I think that's like maybe that's actually not a realistic reason to like not give them Kyle Hamilton because it's like a new, you know, new front office or whatever. And there's there are not new front office, but there's going to be like they're, you know, probably not looking back at last year and like this is how we have to make our decisions. But, um, right. you know, I think that, you know, there's just other positions that are much bigger need for them, I think. And, um, you know, how are they going to re- rebuild the foundation of this, of this team? They've just lost Julio. They just lost Calvin Ridley for at least for this year, probably for the long term at, at this point, it feels like. Um, and so getting an, you know, a superstar receiver that they can pair with whoever the quarterback is down the line. Um, I think that's yeah. probably where they're thinking. That's where, that's how I was thinking they'd approach this, you know, and, and honestly, they, they might just, trade back from that spot because <laughs> they have more than one need. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they do trade back, but, um, yeah. So I, to me, that's just, it's, they're a tough one actually to kind of figure out because I think they could go in literally any direction. They're so tough to figure out. It's <laughs> been, it's been a nightmare, frankly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I, it's interesting too, the, cause we always hear, and I, I think that Kevin Clark and, and Robert Mays back in the day laid this out so well when talking about Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and the reason they were the perfect match was because you had a quarterback capable of taking full advantage of Tyreek's Hill amazing speed. Right, right. That's obviously pairing the quarterback or the wide receiver with, with the quarterback. But e- even in that case, Tyreek Hill was there first. I-, I think there's something to be said of take the receiver and then figure out the quarterback best suited to, to get the ball to that receiver. Yeah. If it's Jamison yeah. Williams, you know arm strength needs to be a factor. If it's Drake London maybe accuracy doesn't matter as much as it would for somebody else. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, I, I think there is some, some interesting part to that, or at least an argument could be made that, that, that's maybe a sound 
roster building thing, but I you mean, mentioned trading back. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add to that point. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like for if you put yourself in the front office's like position, their, their point of view, um, they're basically Arthur Smith and, and, and everyone in the front office are going to be judged by like the next quarterback. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so having the foundation there to let this quarterback, whenever it comes, whether it's next year or the year after what, you know, because they have this bridge quarterback in Mariota and I'm actually kind of excited to see how he does. I don't think he's going to be like a superstar or anything, but like he's been a good backup. And I think he has had the opportunity to kind of like, you know, sit and learn and all that. So um, I think that they're in a position now where they can continue to build the foundation. You saw like Mahomes came to a team that was really good. Uh, Lamar Jackson came on to a team that was really good already. Uh, And these guys have had way more success than, for instance, look at Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterback prospects ever, goes into like a total mess situation, a barren roster, and even he looks like garbage. I mean, you look at (laughs) Justin Fields. He was terrible uh, for the most part. I'm actually so bullish on him, but he didn't look good last year. Uh, Zach Wilson, not a lot there that we've seen that's like super encouraging so far of course he was playing on a team that has been historically bad they'd have a bad foundation so like right there's a lot of recent stuff that uh, that points to the best way to do this for a quarterback and for a front office that's looking for long-term stability and a long-term job is to build the foundation first before you kind of like hit your wagon to a guy you know what i mean that's gonna like yeah. be your make or break guy so i think that i think it makes a lot of sense for them to not not take a quarterback and just kind of like build the foundation. We'll get to quarterbacks in in one second, but I mean that that does make perfect sense. And I think a lot of people, when, even looking back at Matt Ryan, like yeah, the 2007 season was absolute garbage, but that was still a roster that was not far removed from competing in the NFC. Yeah, and it just so happens their quarterback situation completely out of nowhere, like totally tanked. But Imploded. then Matt Ryan yeah, came yeah. aboard, and they they brought in Michael Turner as a free agent. They like made big moves to put the best team around Matt Ryan and he was able to succeed early on. So yeah, going the, all right, rookie literally carry everybody on your shoulders route, probably not setting them, setting them up for success. But you in the, in the most recent podcast mentioned Atlanta as a, a candidate to maybe trade back. And you thought that might be a wise approach probably for the, exactly the reason you're saying they're, they're not close to competing. So get assets, fill out this roster Mm -hmm. um, because there are so many holes. I think some people could say because there is such a talent discrepancy and they don't really even have many good players. It's not like the, <laughs> right. the the last few years has been they've got some of the top tier talent, but there's just been a missing middle and then, you know, bottom tier guys on, on minimum deals to fill it right. out. Shouldn't you use these top 10 picks, though, to go get elite players to then Blue flush chips. out the rest of the roster around? Or do you really believe in, you know, no, go go get. Uh, you know, a few day two guys to add to the mix because you should let those guys become starters and you need just multiple starting caliber players on this right. roster at multiple positions. Yeah, and that, that is the just, I guess, the eternal question. That is, is <laughs> what do you do in the draft? And, Figure and out I, drafting. In yeah, one I mean, like, I, I think <laughs> on one hand, um, especially in a class like this where there's not really any, like, elite, super elite guys. Um, right. I mean, there's definitely good players, and at number eight, you're, you're going to have an opportunity to draft a very good player, I think. But in general, it's maybe not at the same caliber we've seen in recent years, or at least that's like how it's perceived right now. Like anything can happen, but it just isn't like a class that I think a lot of people are thinking is is one of the elite classes. And so, right, um, in a year like this in particular, having more darts to throw 
um, could be a good thing. But I see, I see what you're saying in terms of like, look, don't get cute. Like day two <laughs> guys aren't necessarily going to be foundational players. Like yeah. the more foundational players you have, the better. And I think, you know, that's what, that's the decision they're going to have to make. I actually think I lean on your side. Uh, what, what you were arguing there, it, it probably makes more sense for them. Just to take a guy like Jameson Williams this is going to be a star for you, you know, for the next five plus years. And, um, you know, you can be feeling like you're set at the receiver position, at least for the short term. Um, and that's an impactful thing for, the, for whatever quarterback you bring in. So um, I think it would make a lot of sense for them to go this route and just not get cute and, and trade back or whatever. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you could look at it, too, as as you hopefully bring on a lot of these picks, your success is increasing and you're moving further and further in the bat, uh, in the draft, which yeah. is going to hinder your ability to land <laughs> these blue chip prospects. So just get them while you got them kind of deal. Yeah. But yeah. Who knows? They're probably going to trade back four times in this draft. Uh, (laughs) uh, All right. So let's get to quarterbacks because it kind of feels like for a team that has just moved on from the face of the franchise. Mm -hmm. Yes, they brought in Marcus Mariota, but there's really not been a ton of quarterback buzz, even though the Falcons have been out in force at every single quarterback pro day, which I don't know if, if that makes me. 100% 100% confident that they're not drafting a quarterback because teams never make that big of a public show. Uh, <laughs> right. But, you know, what a, do you think that it's feasible the Falcons go a quarterback at eight? Do you think if they're going to go quarterback, it involves a trade back in the draft? Or do you think that the guy that they like could be there in the second round? Um, I, I think, yeah, it's tough because, you know, ideally, if you want to get a guy like Willis, you trade back and pick up a little extra ammo and then go get Willis. If that's the guy that you really like. And I think that would be a lot of fun. That would make a lot of sense for them to do that. Um, but also everything we just talked about where the foundation is not really there. He's already like a raw <laughs> prospect on the spectrum of like quarterback prospects. Like he's as raw as they come. So um, situationally, like I kind of hope he doesn't land in Atlanta. No, no offense. Um, just because <laughs> I think like the foundation's not there for him to succeed. And he might need like a couple year runway to kind of like get up to speed so, right although i do like his like ideal like with arthur smith it actually would be kind of fun to see like how they would use him and and um like kind of how like the offense that they would build and everything because one well, Mariota would be a better tutor in that yeah. sense you know yeah. than matt ryan would have been i don't see matt ryan you know teaching malik willis the right way to to successfully kind of run a <laughs> right. naked bootleg yeah exactly <laughs> um so uh, yeah i mean i guess uh, there are some some certain like certainly there are some like interesting uh variables there that could be good for him um but yeah so i i think a guy like uh desmond ritter would make a lot of sense like if he's around in the second round like that would make perfect sense for for the for the falcons to do it's not sounding like he's gonna be there though um he's had a lot of buzz in the last like two three weeks um you know first round buzz and it sounds like teams like him more than than quote-unquote draft twitter has liked him and so um he might be like a guy to trade back in the first round and, and still take him somewhere in the middle of the first round um, but they have a lot of options for sure. Uh, you can tell those are probably my two favorite quarterbacks in this class. Um, getting a guy like Pickett, like, I don't really know like where that would put the Falcons, you know? Right. Um, it just feels like they'd be treading water at, 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 if anything. Um, so to me, that didn't, wouldn't really make a ton of sense. And if they go get a guy like Matt Corral in the second round, I could see that, you know, just take a few swings at guys and hope they work out again, though you're kind of like sacrificing your ability to build a foundation. So, um, and as soon as, again, as soon as these guys, as soon as any team takes a risk on one of these guys, it's like the clock starts ticking for, yeah. for the coaches, for the front office. 
Um, and I think, you know, that's something that these the front offices of every team have to make that decision. Like, are we ready to hitch our wagon to this guy? See that that's where I'm I'm at with all of this. And yeah. I would I would feel like if I was a GM and I did not love any quarterback, if I'm not in love with a quarterback, then it's not worth taking a quarterback yeah. to me, you know, yeah. uh, and I would tell ownership that I would say, look, <laughs> but before I handcuff myself to one of these guys, could I just let you know that there's one that I like in this draft? Right, right. Because if you, how many times have we seen this, that a team brings in Tyrod Taylor and then drafts, you know, ex quarterback at pick mm-hmm. 23 who comes in and there's a pseudo quarterback battle. And then Tyrod Taylor starts week one. And then it, uns- midway through yeah. week two, ex, the ex rookie gets inserted and then they go through like a five and 12 season. Yeah. And and it's like, all right, well, and then year two, that rookie, we'll see what he can do. And then maybe it's like seven and whatever, 10. Right, and, right. and then it's like, all right, but I don't necessarily want to do four years of like quarterback, you know, in, in the middle purgatory. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'm with you. Just figure out kind of the rest of this roster. Marcus Mariota, I'm, I'm excited as well. I think things could get kind of funky and weird um, in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I, Certainly don't know the receiving situation. So, yeah, um, uh, from I'm a, all for that experiment. From a fan point of view, like, I think th- part of the whole rebuilding process, too, is like messaging. Like the front yeah. office, like Fontenot is going to have to, like, I guess, prepare <laughs> people to be bad. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm guessing yeah. right now there's probably not very high expectations in Atlanta for what the Falcons are going to do. And honestly, that's probably <laughs> a good thing. Right. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's it, they're 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 low, but. Not not through any kind of we're all in this together through this struggle. We we arise right. stronger from the ashes kind of deal. No, it's it's more just this people are what they're apart. like, wait, what are they? What's happening? Oh, OK, <laughs> yeah, that's not all right. Good. Well, hunker down. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the mentality. But fortunately, um, Atlanta sports is is kind of picking up the slack here lately. So good. If the Falcons were going to dip now, yeah. now's a good time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um it sounds like you think maybe the best case scenario for the Falcons would be pass on a quarterback in the in the first and hope maybe Ritter is there for mm-hmm. them in the second. Okay. Yeah, that would probably be like the ideal situation, I think, for them. Um, all right. So let's outside of quarterback, it, it kind of seems like and we've touched on this a little bit, but receiver and edge uh, mm-hmm. right at the end of the season when the Falcons were once again dead last by like an insane and horrifying amount in sacks. <laughs> it, it was like, all right, cool cool edge it's gonna be edge it's needed to be edge for a long time this year it kind of finally seems like edge in the first round is worth a damn um but then all of the stuff at wide receiver happened and now it's like well edge can wait they need Mm -hmm. wide receiver if do you think the falcons at number eight if there's if they hit on a wide receiver versus hitting on an edge which Mm -hmm. has a a bigger impact for this team, both in 2022 and then long-term? That's a really good question. Um, I think that's, and that kind of goes to philosophically, like what kind of team do you want to build? I personally believe you can't really compete in the NFL unless you have a really good offense. Like there's going to be outliers to that. There's going to be exceptions. By and large though, you live and die by a quarterback being really good and like passing and scoring a lot of points. Right. (laughs) Like generally speaking, so the answer that, is which which one has a better quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, look at the playoffs. Like, you know, there, again, there's there's always exceptions, so people will point to those. Right. But like, um, 
especially like in the AFC right now, you know, it's like just this freaking arms race. Uh, yeah, so we I think, changed the overtime rules because people were upset Josh <laughs> Allen didn't get the ball. Yeah. I mean, this is the reality of the NFL now is like you have these uh, demi, demigod quarterbacks that are just like freaking taking over games and the rules yeah. are all t- tilted towards passing and um, it's like basically impossible to play defense at this point. So like embrace the chaos and just try and find a good quarterback. If the Falcons are going to do that, they have to find a quarterback, of course, but like it, it's going to help them a lot to have a game-changing field tilting court, uh, receiver. So that I think I'd lean that way, even though like traditionally probably edge would be valued higher. And, and I'm sure a lot of coaches probably still believe that that edge is more important and you have to get to the quarterback, of course, too. Um, but I don't know. I kind of, I, le- I lean again, just if the Falcons aren't going to be successful, this, this front office and this coaching staff aren't going to be successful unless they find a good quarterback and having a, a soft landing spot for that quarterback is, is crucial in my mind. So that's the route I would go again. That's like why I kind of think Williams could be the guy, or maybe it's like Garrett Wilson, or maybe it's Drake London. Who knows? But like, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to do that. In, in, in you know the way that they're building this thing, like Pitts, an elite receiver, like that's <laughs> this is the Chiefs thing. It's Kelsey and Tyreek or whatever, you know. <laughs> well, so that that was that's actually a good a good question here because I think with Jameson Williams, the way and from you know the way I've watched him on on film and from what I've heard and read. He seems maybe a little bit better suited to to that Z role as a stretch the field number two option instead of your <clears throat> pure X receiver, which, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, even even Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are probably better suited to that Z role. Drake yeah. London might be the only pure X in this class. But would you look at an offense that also contains Kyle Pitts? His, is he your X in your mind? And then that allows yeah. Williams to play off of him in kind of his ideal role. Yeah, I mean, he can play that role. I don't think he's like a true X necessarily, but like in the red zone, he can certainly be an X. Um, and they can do a lot of stuff where they do like trips to the right and and pits on an island on, on his own over there and like let him go do his thing and, and take advantage of mismatches and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and, and I think like, I mean, if you look at the Chiefs, like they don't really have an X either. Um, <laughs> right. And like even... If you look at sort of like what the Packers have done with Devontae Adams, like he's moving around the formation on every given play. Like he could be lined up anywhere on the field. He's not just like a traditional lineup on the outside and beat your guy. He's mm-hmm. going in motion. He's lining up in the slot a lot. He's doing everything. So um, I don't think it's like you really need to get that X to like have success. It certainly helps to have one. But, um, you know, with the ways that offenses can kind of move around things and Arthur Smith is a creative guy, like he's done a lot of good um like creative things with his receivers and, and tight ends and things. So like, I think that there's definitely ways around that if you don't get an X and like you said, there isn't really outside of, I would say London and um, George Pickens, like it looks like an X yeah. um, outside of that. Like <laughs> there's, there's a projection, a projection there. Like Burks is he, I think he could play X, but he mainly played in the slot. Um, Alec Pierce college. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, I th- he's like, he's not like an alpha X, right now you know what i mean yeah, like he's, he's like a yeah. role-playing x <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know it, yeah there's there's a lot of ways to skin a cat is kind of the bottom line um that's that's a good Sorry, way to put it. bad expression but yeah no um <laughs> hey that, panthers are in the vision so uh, we can <laughs> there skin you go. some cats <laughs> but uh day two that's a let's talk about that because i i think that the way the falcons go at number eight could factor in a lot to their day two um yeah yeah 
and, and it seems as though receiver is a little bit deeper um, in maybe the second and third round. You've got guys like Sky Moore who are projected maybe to go early in, in day two. So they could still fix that side of the ball or, or yeah. address that yeah. side of the ball. Um, but who are some guys that you would like for Atlanta maybe with both of their... They, I mean, they've got four picks in the second and third rounds. Who are some oh, guys... Oh, wow, do they? Dang. Yeah, who are some guys that you might like for them? Um, and um, you can go based on kind of positional need or just some players that you think <clears throat> could slip who should That's a good question. So what is their first pick? It's like 39 or something like that? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot. But yes, it's, Somewhere it's in that later. Range. It's 30. Yeah, it's 39 to 41. Okay. Um, yeah, there's definitely some edges in there that I think are really intriguing that they could go for. And again, if you're looking, I don't think I, I'm not, I wouldn't say try and do this strategy because it hasn't worked out for, for some teams <laughs> in the past. But like a guy like David Ojabo, if you want another guy who could take a redshirt year who is yeah. a top 15 talent, they're probably not going to go Jamison Williams and then David Ojabo and then have neither of them play in year <laughs> one. That'd probably be kind of a Just bad like look, all all Jalen Smiths. <laughs> don't do that. But like, you know, if they go some other position at at, at eight or whatever, and then I think Ojabo would be an interesting one because again, he he's going to need most of his rookie year to kind of come back from this Achilles injury that he that he suffered in his pro day. But down the line, like you can have a really dynamic pa- uh, pass rusher on the outside who's super athletic, has a ton of upside, um, mm-hmm. and you get him at a huge discount because of the injury. So obviously it's a risk, but again, it's a massive discount. Um, there's a couple other edge rushers in that area. I think that could be really interesting. Nick Bonito from Oklahoma, uh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Both of those guys mm-hmm. twitched up super athletic guys. Um, you know, again, anybody that you're picking in the second round is going to have some issues because they're not a first rounder that there's a reason they fell. Um, I think with Bonito, he's a little bit small. He's not good yep. against a run, but he's very explosive twitched up. He's maybe the most like, agile explosive pass rusher in this class i know his pressure rate at oklahoma was like through the roof um and mafe is another guy that's just like he's got a ton of potential but he kind of has to put it all together you know there's flashes there that you could see a a guy developing into an elite pass rusher and he has like elite measurables but didn't quite all put it together um drake jackson from usc is another guy that i really like i think he'd be Mm -hmm. a potential target in the in the third round probably i think he'll probably follow the third round um, Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma is a lot of fun. No, interior that, yeah, defensive interior. tackle, long, really strong. Like he's the type of guy who I could see have like he'd be much better pro than he was in college. Like you don't really hear a lot about him, <laughs> but he went to the Senior Bowl and he was really good there. Kind of dominated. Um, so he's another guy like in the trenches that they could add. To. There's there's a lot of trench guys. Offensive linemen in that area are going to be pretty good. I think good value. Um, and again, like you said, there's a lot of receivers in that area that could be really interesting for them. Safety is a big spot in the yeah. second, third round running back. If you guys want a running back, um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily on the high list of priorities, but there's <laughs> definitely going to be some good guys in there. Um, and this is a really deep class at linebacker in that area. So, yeah, um, that's another position you could address, you know, in, in for the long run. It's not necessarily maybe like a day one priority, but it's something that they could address for the long run. I, I definitely think that that's where we're going to see the Falcons probably if if they take a risk at number eight with somebody like Williams, who is going to be a, a little bit more of a project. I think they go proven production, maybe in the college area, guys who can step in immediately and help and yeah. fill some roles. Um, but if they go safer with a guy that they can plug and play at number eight, then I, I think take you could risk. see uh, yeah. like Richie Grant, their second round pick, you know, didn't play a ton last year. 
but safety in a DNP's defense is a hard, uh, I think, system to learn. So he yeah, got a little bit of a, of a redshirt yeah. year. Um, so the Falcons have shown that they're not afraid, I guess, to sit a, a higher draft pick to let him learn. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what approach they take. Let's do just a couple rapid fire questions and then I'll sure. let you get out of here. But what do you think would be a worst case scenario for Atlanta with how the first seven <clears throat> picks could unfold? Well, let's see. I think the worst case is if you want an edge, if they're really looking at an edge there, because there's a lot of really, I think the edge class is the probably the best group position group in this draft in the top 10. And I think mm-hmm. the worst case scenario for Atlanta is like have all those edges go off the board and then they have no options, right? <laughs> like and Jermaine they, Johnson goes right, yeah. right, the pick ahead of them. Yeah. So I think we would be talking about Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trevon Walker, Jermaine Johnson. All those guys go off and then maybe, <laughs> I don't think this is going to happen. Carloftis. Like George Karloftis, <laughs> throw him in there. <laughs> yeah. um, if all those guys go off in the first few picks, like, of course, it's pushing other positions down so they'll have options, but... Um, yeah, they'd all the wide receivers would be there. The receivers on, would be there, their tackles would be there. Um, but I'm just like, from their point of view, if they really want an edge at that spot, that, that's the spot right. that they're kind of like circled, that would be a worst case scenario. But honestly, like I've done the math because the Seahawks, by the way, who are my team pick at number <laughs> nine. Um, and so I've done the math and there's like pretty much any, any scenario, there's going to be a really good player at both eight and nine, like no matter what happens. So <laughs> who, would, I think who would be the pick if, if Atlanta picked a guy that you would be like, guy, ugh, son of a bitch, Thibodeau, that they, Thibodeau, if he was there <laughs> at eight and they just yeah, took him. I think Thibodeau fits what the CX want to do and, and he I fits so. sort of like their personality. Like there's a lot of smoke around his personality being like a turnoff that like Pete Carroll doesn't give a crap about all that stuff. So <laughs> um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Plus he's like a really twitchy, you know, athletic pass rusher and that's exactly what the Seahawks need. Um, I'd probably be pretty bummed if you guys took uh, Sauce Gardner and hmm. and didn't have him there for number nine. Um, if, yeah. You know, that would because I think that'd be another positions that would really help Seattle kind of like get out of the defensive funk they've had over the last few years what do you think would be a uh, best case scenario best case scenario is run on quarterbacks in the top 10 (laughs) um and then that pushes all the talent down down the board then you have your choice Bailey zappy number seven (laughs) i mean like imagine if so Pickett has a chance to be number six to the carolina panthers imagine someone trades up to like number two or like the lions just take willis at two Mm-hmm. Um, and then throw in a guy like Ritter, who's again, I we don't we never really thought about it like this, but like apparently teams really like Ritter. Maybe he goes, maybe like the, the Giants Saints? trade back or the Saints trade into the top ten. Yeah, there's like three. All of a sudden, after spending the last six months talking about how crappy this quarterback class is, like three go in the top seven. <laughs> like yeah. I could and actually. And Trayvon see that Walker happen. is just sitting right there for Atlanta. Yeah. And then Atlanta literally has. They're in the catbird seat because then they could trade back if they want and get a lot more for it because there's maybe like a really good edge rusher there or a really good corner or a really good tackle. Um, and that would, again, that would put them in the catbird seat to like be like, hey, give us something really good here if you want to trade up in front of Seattle, you know, because Seattle's going to take one of those premier positions. Uh, so yeah, I think that would be the best case scenario for the Falcons. Again, assuming that they don't want to take a quarterback, which I kind of, I think we've established that's probably not in the best interest to do that at that spot. All right, last one. Just tap into your other expertise. Who, which draft pick would be immediately in line for a great fantasy rookie season if the Falcons take him? Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, one of the receivers for sure. So I'd say throw James Williams out because he's not going to play in 2021 for at least the first half of the year, probably. And then I, you just want to like give him the redshirt season in general. So I would say Garrett Wilson would be very exciting. Drake London would be very exciting. I'm trying to think of who would fit the best with. Uh, with Mariota. 
I think it's Traylon Burks. I mean, I, I, I look, think... I love Burks. I've, I feel like I, I've been hyping up Burks too much because I think the NFL doesn't like him as much as I do. If Patterson um, wasn't there, <laughs> I think that I think he'd be in play at eight. Imagine the fact they brought Patterson, Patterson and back. Burks. Oh my God, that'd be a lot of fun. Like you okay, could just yeah, do that's like a answer. wishbone offense. <laughs> I'm changing my answer. That's 100% what I want. Just for the chaos of it all. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. And plus, like, honestly, that would be great for, for Mariota because, you know, you can get like quick passes, quick passes in, like layups mm-hmm. and things that could kind of make him comfortable. Then they could do a lot of play action off of that stuff. Yep. Um, I think that would be a really good fit for him and, and maybe like help open up the offense for him. So, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do that. Good. Well, Arthur Smith also listens to this podcast. So, Arthur, <laughs> there you go. Uh, all Follow right, Dane guy, Kelly. And that is Traylon Burks. Yes. Traylon Burks, number eight. We're starting the campaign here. Um, print the t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> all right, Danny. Um, can you uh, let everybody know where they can find your stuff? Yeah. So, uh, at the ringer.com is my NFL draft guide. It's uh, nfldraft.theringer.com. Um, uh, check out the Ringer NFL draft show. Sorry, I like every time mess up the name the ringer nfl draft show which is also on the in the off season and during the nfl season the ringer fantasy football show um and then yeah check me out on uh twitter at danny b kelly all right man thank you so much for uh for stopping by this was really um informative absolutely my pleasure all right i hope you guys enjoyed that thanks again to danny kelly for taking the time to hop on with me i think that was great insight, especially about uh, the receivers, the edge rushers, kind of the depth of this class and particularly kind of what needs to unfold for Atlanta. Uh, Both he and Trevor sound like they're pretty in favor of the Falcons trading back, accumulating more picks. Uh, You know, as you heard me kind of push back on that, I I still feel as though maybe this draft is a little bit different, but it doesn't feel like it's the deepest draft in the world either. Like just get the best players that you can. The Falcons are still so far away that they, they need to figure out what is the new core of this team. And then you can kind of flush out the floor of it everywhere else. It looks like you've got a, a number one corner in AJ Terrell. You you've got a good pass rushing defensive tackle in Grady Jarrett. You've got a, a former, you know, number one over or number one first round pick in Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, who had a great rookie year. We'll see what the future holds for him. But outside of that, you know, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, those are two good guys on the offensive line. I don't know what your young core is here. Uh, and maybe guys like Richie Grant will will develop into that. Maybe um, Ade Ogundeji will, will kind of continue to evolve and, and become part of that. But right now, I, the Falcons just need to get as many potentially elite players as possible and start to figure out what their new identity is. Um, and so for that reason, usually I'm a fan of the Falcons moving back. I, I, I do generally believe in that accumulation of draft capital, but the Falcons are kind of sitting pretty this year. Yes, they they only have one first round pick, but they've got two second round picks, two third round picks. I mean, they, they will have plenty of, of day one, day two options to choose from. So for this year, I... I'm a little bit more in favor of just stick it eight, pick the best player available, somebody who you think is is going to maybe potentially change your franchise and then figure out, all right, well, what are the other puzzle pieces that we're missing? Um, so I, I think that the Falcons will probably go that route. Uh, now, it, it wouldn't shock me if they do trade back because I do think they're in kind of a little bit of a catbird seat here where teams who want the quarterback may move up. Uh, if, if a run starts happening, some team may clearly think that there's a number one receiver here out of the group of receivers and want to move up to eight to get them. So 
the Falcons have all the options in the world, is my point. And whether or not they decide to move back and, and accumulate more capital, I think it makes sense if they're going to get that capital for next year, even though that doesn't help immediately. It, it does still kind of work with their timeline, but it, it also wouldn't shock me at all if they really like somebody at eight. Sit there, pick them. Awesome. Cool. Get your guy and then let's move on. Um, so that will do it for today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I think we're going to get Ovi back next week and probably going to do a pre-draft mailbag. You you guys have heard me talk enough about my opinions and thoughts on the draft. So now we want to get some questions from you guys and go ahead and email them at believeinfalcons at gmail.com. I'm going to set up that email address today. So DM me on Twitter at Will McFadden if you would like get some questions in, but feel free to shoot them over to believeinfalcons at gmail.com. And that is B-L-E-A-V. So I'll set that up. That'll be the new um, resource for you guys to use. If you want to get in touch with Ovi and I, he will be back next week. We'll go through your questions and then probably going to have a show after the first round, probably going to have a show after day two. And then we'll get back to the regular Monday scheduling. Not going to do like an emergency Sunday night uh, podcast after uh, the, the third round of or the day three, I guess, rounds Four, five, six, and seven. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm already I'm already exhausted just saying that. But yeah. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Please like, subscribe, let your friends know where they can find all the best draft coverage for the Atlanta Falcons. Today's episode, as always, was presented by Bet Online. And please take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.